3: My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. Other people want to make friends, I'm just trying to save you some money. My job's not just to entertain, but to educate and teach, so call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Time out. You can't just go back to a stock you hated for ages, Clorox, can you? Can the market be that fickle? Should you really abandon one of the greatest stocks of all time, Amazon, because of press reports that the president wants to go after it, even as every company Trump has gone after has survived the wrath. Trump stock. That's precisely what people needed to reckon with today, a day where the Dow ultimately dipped nine points. Hey, it was up 234 points at one time and then down 120 another. S&P declined 0.29%, and Nasdaq got pasted again, losing 0.85%. On the one hand, Clorox, a Kramer fave stock that's been out of favor in the Wall Street fashion show for some time, rallied hard for a second day, gaining nearly $4 or 3%. On the other hand, Amazon got clocked. For more than 4%, when we got word that the president is obsessed with this company and wants to come up, come after it, with everything it has. There's the president. Everything he has going there. Perhaps Trump is motivated by his apparent dislike of the Washington Post, which is owned by Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos, and not, I hope, any quibblings with Prime. I mean, do do you think he's a Prime member? The story headline, Trump Hates Amazon, Not Facebook, truly gaffed Amazon shareholders as surely as a flopping and chopping Moby Dick at the hands of Captain Ahab. Or if that's too harsh, maybe the president is ordering up a bigger boat to take on Bezos. A la Jaws, and the sellers are just getting out ahead of the news. Hey, Lisa was a. <laughs> It was a little respite for the sellers in, in Facebook. Now, we look, look, we live in strange time for Amazon and for its fan compadres. The White House press secretary said that the president has no specific policies that are meant to pressure Amazon. But she also says that her boss is, and I quote, always looking to create a level playing field for all businesses. And this is no different. Amazon stock didn't go up much at all from its lows on this oh so reassuring news, because when people hear no specific policies, I think they just assume that's only because they haven't been formulated yet. It's easy to imagine this administration cracking down on Amazon, though retailers don't call it the Death Star for nothing. This company has had a devastating effect on tons of brick and mortar merchants. Only the government can stop Amazon, just like only the government can stop Facebook. And with Congress going after Facebook, well, then why couldn't the president go after Amazon? Hey, you know, one, one branch of government, another. I mean, big deal. OK, uh, by the way. That was the reasoning behind the obliteration of Twitter stock stop, stop, stop. yesterday when vocal short seller Andrew Lap, a funny guy, said the company's vulnerable to charges about selling out its users, even as management denied doing so. Left's logic was circular, and no one cares about a social media company's denials anymore, uh, let alone the rest of tech. But it was serious enough to do serious damage to Twitter stock in a serious way in a market where these online titans are treated as guilty until proven banana in sang You want more canards, more straw men? I got a bunch of them in tech. I wonder when the short sellers will start saying that a huge percentage of NVIDIA's business comes from the now flagging cryptocurrency miners using their chips to get poor quick. Forget the fact that these crypto maniacs are only a tiny fraction of the business and NVIDIA's graphics processors are used for everything from gaming to the data center. Why let the facts get in the way of a really solid negative story that sent the stock down another four bucks? on top of more than 20 that plummeted yesterday. Oh, uh, if you're interested in the facts, uh, uh, though uh, I hope that doesn't mean a declining audience for Mad Money, we'll have Jensen Wong, NVIDIA's CEO, on the show tomorrow night. And I think he'll tell a compelling narrative. Just don't be surprised if the Bears twist his words. Every day, ever since the fatal self-driving Uber accident last week, I half expect to hear that NVIDIA has stopped doing any work at all for its partners on self-driving cars. Even as, in reality, it's full speed ahead with them. Although NVIDIA did sideline its own fleet of five, that's right, five autonomous driving cars as it waits to find out what went wrong that fateful night. Doing a lot of simulating of blizzards, doing a lot of simulating of flooding, you know. No one else is. The truth is, NVIDIA's self-driving car partnerships are where the money is, not its own tiny fleet. But when a stock's in free fall, you see all kinds of false narratives adding fuel to the short-selling bonfire. You either believe me or you don't. But NVIDIA's not slowing down the making of any chips for its self-driving car customers. A huge future business. Now, while these formerly beloved tech stocks get hammered, you have new winners like yeah, Clorox. Well, like Bleached Clorox. Two weeks ago, we talked to Ben O'Dour, the excellent CEO of Clorox. I couldn't believe how great the story was. Stock had torn straight down from 146 to 128 which to me meant that you were getting a terrific buying opportunity to high-quality consumer products played with a 3% yield. Juicy. This largely American company has had its share of raw cost increases, but they were temporary. Clorox is expanding into supplements, a fabulous fast-growing business, and it's getting its merchandise now into all the major drug stores. Hey, listen, there was a time a few months ago where the probiotics I swear by couldn't be found anywhere. Now I can find my Renew Life Ultimate floor at all my favorite drug stores. Of course, when I recommended Clorox uh, back then, and what seems like a lifetime ago, but it was really just like 10 days, people acted like I'd gone crazy, or at least uh, uh, crazier than, uh, than usual. I heard that Clorox is the wrong stock to, wrong stock to own when interest rates are headed to three. Whoops, they went to 2.75%. Mm, wrong direction. Oh, okay, so they're stopping at 2.78 for a second. I heard the chart was death warmed over, especially compared to the charts of the fang stocks. Oh, look how that worked out. I heard there was a vicious head and shoulders pattern developing. Don't those people know that Procter and Gamble makes a head and shoulders? Now what's driving the strength in Clorox? Well, okay, with rates that are lower, people now fear a slowdown, and during a slowdown, stocks like Quarks became more attractive. Investors look at it as the best of the best when they're worried about the economy, whereas it was seen as the worst of the worst two weeks ago when everyone's more confident. Look, as I keep telling you, this is a challenging, controversial market, and we're not used to it. It's not for everyone. We can lose a- hundreds of points in the time it takes to grab a burrito. <laughs> oh, geez, Chipotle down 50% from its high. Still, if you have a long-term perspective, you may want to dive into the Gowanus Canal, pick up some Facebook. I'm shirts sure down there. I see the green, bubbly water. We had Norwegian Cruise on later tonight, and all I can say is that it's too bad you couldn't book yourself a ticket on the Titanic that has become Apple, or the Lusitania that's NVIDIA, or the USS Indianapolis that is Alphabet. Quint, we miss you! I stay stay the course. Stay the course! That's right. Maybe don't even watch the minute-by-minute action if you're too squeamish. I was running some panels for the CNBC Healthy Returns Conference, two thumbs up, and when I went into, the one, into one of them the semiconductor stocks, oh my God, they were on fire. They looked great. When I finished, they looked even better. It was only after I examined the action in between that I realized they'd round tripped a percent and a half while we talked about the need to keep healthcare costs down. The bottom line. In a difficult market, formerly beloved stocks tend to be, become targets. And while I think the worries about Facebook and Amazon and Twitter and NVIDIA are being blown out of proportion at this point, I also recognize that the stocks, of course, can go lower. Anything can go lower if people keep getting scared. And, yes, I know I don't pick on the shorts, but shorts press their bet. If you, can take, if you can't take the pain, you know what? Forget about those Facebook. Forget about that Fang fellas. And go buy some Clorox. Brian in Illinois, please. Brian. Jimmy. Yo, we yeah, the way ramblers. Why not? I was thinking the same thing, man. Wow. They are charmed. What's up? Charmed. They are. They are. Hey, Jimmy, I had a question. I bought HRI about a year and a half ago, hoping we'd have some uh,
1: good infrastructure bills. And uh, I know recently the CFO stepped down.
3: I was wondering uh, what you think about the stock. Sell, buy, hold, buy more. It's in Bonita Springs. The wife wants to move to Bonita Springs. I try to tell her I have a job and a contract. She's not interested. Okay. Um, This is actually a very good equipment rental company. It's cheaper than URI. I like the equipment rental companies because it's a lot cheaper to rent than to own. So I say it's fine. All right. look. it, this is a tat. Oh, you know what? I You know what? I think we should have another call just because, like, I'm being told by my Je- executive producer have another call. Let's go to Paolo in Ohio. Paolo. Paolo. Oh, yeah. Paolo. Mr. Kramer, it's my 19th birthday. Oh, man, happy birthday to you, partner. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay. Okay. Uh- so, uh,
1: have protests been the catalyst to the plunge of KMI's stock price? And if so, if
3: progression is made, do we see light for KMI? Listen, my young fella. We call these things that are driving stocks down balance sheets. And that has got a nasty, bad balance sheet in a nasty, bad industry. If you want to live to your majority, if you want to make it to 21, may I suggest that you rethink the idea of KMI, you know what? KM to me means Kmart. Add an I. You know what I'm talking about. This is a fickle market. It's not for everybody. But you know what? I'm actually out there. I'm saying stay the course. Oh, man, tonight, I'm getting to, to the state of the retail sector with the CEO of the man behind Calvin Klein and Tommy Hilfiger. And believe it, it's actually good. Don't miss my exclusive. With the CEO of PVH after earnings. But if you want good news, turn. Well, let's just say you may have to listen. Then, this too shall pass. I'm going over the worst-case scenario for Facebook and telling you how you should approach the situation. And with such wild action on the averages, you may have missed some radical shakeups in healthcare. Tonight, I have a rare exclusive with a United Health CEO to find out if its pullback could be a buying opportunity and what they think, yes, of the Amazon Death Star. I'm quaking until the president strikes back. Stick with Kramer. Okay. Remember, last week I told you to buy some PVH going into earnings, and they turned out to be much, much better than I expected. And I'm a bull. I thought the numbers would be really good, but not this good. PVH, the apparel company that owns Calvin Klein, Tommy Hilfiger, and a bunch of other brands totally blew away the numbers. Delivered an 11-cent earnings beat off a $1.47 basis, with substantially higher-than-expected sales, up 18.6% year-over-year, rising margins. Even better management raised their full-year forecast. What you have to hope is that we get some crazy tweet that doesn't like Calvin Klein, or we get some sort of just tsunami of selling, which does happen, because then I think you get an opportunity. Let's check in with Manny who's the chairman and CEO of PVH. Learn more about this stunning quarter and the company's prospects. Manny, welcome back to Mad Money. Good to see you, hey, Manny. Jim. Nice to see you. All right, yeah. Manny, usually there's one. Okay, there's one sil- cylinder that's hitting. The other one may be hitting soon. Uh, international and domestic, Calvin Klein and Tommy Hilfiger. Best I've seen, right?
0: Yes, very strong. How boy. is that possible? Uh, look, the strength of both brands, the uh, we're making, we've made over the last three years significant marketing investments behind both brands. I think the brands have done a phenomenal job in hitting their target consumers and really aligning with marketing that's resonated with the consumer. And it just shows in the numbers and great product at quality value prices works.
3: Uh, there was an outfit I H&M talking about inventories today. Someone was saying, isn't that the tell for the consumer? Inventories are lean throughout your system,
0: Martin. Yeah, very much so. You know, we're chasing it. We're, at this point, we've been chasing inventory. We're going into growth. I think we're planning the first quarter of next year up high double digits. High uh, double digits, uh, Manny. T- yeah. High teens, and I mean, we've really running for a at long
3: time. I, I don't think we've ever heard that. That's what you're planning
0: for. Uh, really having a it, the fourth quarter you touched on, and it seems like we're really set up for the first quarter. Halfway through it. Uh, in very strong position. Now, some of the
3: places that are selling
0: this have to be stores that are in the mall. Oh, absolutely. Big, uh, you know, our, our Tommy, for Tommy Hilfiger, our biggest U.S. customer is Macy's by far. Gideon's doing a good job there, Jeff. Jeff Ginnett. does a great He's job. He's doing a there. good turn. And you really are seeing it. I, I was in the stores in January, and I've never seen the inventories as clean in, uh, in Macy's as I've seen then. And obviously, now they're set up for uh, early Easter, and I think they're really clicking.
3: All right, global synchronized uh, economy. Uh, I, you know, I've been to your uh, stores, uh, in Dam, the beautiful uh, shopping district of Berlin. I have to believe that Germany, that Britain, Spain, all great.
0: Uh, Europe is on fire for really? us. You know, even, uh, a brand even as big as Tommy Hilfiger, which has you know significant, significant market share, we're seeing high single-digit uh, growth in sales. You know, our order books for fall with Tommy uh, fall 2018 are up 15 percent. So we're really These feeling are not strong new about players, that. Manny. No, he's not, but, and it is, it, it, the strength is, has surprised us, but we're riding it. And we're also, uh, with, with Calvin Klein in Europe, a brand that's underdeveloped in that region of the world compared to Tommy, you know, probably about 40%, 45% of that volume. We're seeing, you know, we're seeing 25-plus percent kind of growth with Calvin. So Europe is very strong for us, as is Asia.
3: Now, I want people to understand that we spent a lot of time with a strong dollar you'd have to back it out, this or that. Even after you back out a weaker dollar, these are some of the best numbers you've ever reported.
0: Yeah, I think that's correct. And I think, you know, for us, we suffered through the – foreign currency pain being such a large international player in 15 and 16. Fiscal 17 has got, kind of been flattish when it came right. to currencies. But as we're turning into 18, it, it actually should be a tailwind for us. So uh, we're looking forward to experiencing that.
3: Okay. Many people say, well, what is Amazon doing to them? And I say, well, they're partners with Amazon, right? It's been good.
0: A big business for us. And we've really been able to work closely with Amazon on key apparel, particularly for the Calvin Klein brand, but also our heritage brands. And... Uh, That whole digital area—we don't talk specifically about one customer's kind of, but that whole digital area for us is our fastest growing, and sales there are up in excess of 20%. So, both our both our e-commerce business coupled with theirs.
3: How's the Chinese channel? And also, uh, some people are saying, well, they must be worried about tariffs. But I've said you've always found the lowest cost producer wherever it is in the globe.
0: Well, yes. Look, we're uh, we're totally opposed to tariffs as a way to solve problems. There's clearly issues with China and the trade policy, and I think the administration is appropriate to go after them, but I think the way to do it is really target those industries that those abuses are going on. Apparel doesn't, uh, is not one of those, uh, but clearly we need to level the playing field in trade, and I give the administration credit for really going after it. Okay.
3: Wow. Really, yes. even though it might damage your business at a certain point
0: well, I just think i, I don 't think that the apparel is going to be one of the industries that hit with tariffs it doesn't make sense we're already paying a, a tariff from japan from china of, of approximately twenty five percent i can't imagine that the administration will put another 25% on apparel, footwear, and related products. So, I, you know, to go after the other areas, I'd like to see us negotiate with China. I'd like to see us to come to terms, uh, utilize both our other partners around the world, mm-hmm. because some of the trade practices aren't fair.
3: Okay. Uh, there was something that was odd. Man, you're the guy to ask. Uh, jeans tax? I, I, and, uh, it was a jeans tax. People were talking uh, out of Europe. I have not. I, I have to be France honest with you. France was thinking it. about putting the jeans tax on. When, I mean, you we would, know,
0: well, we would totally be opposed. Right. To that. I mean, it's I also mean, been. Like, a, it's all, jeans has also been a category that's as a apparel category that's been under pressure globally and just until recently. So right. I don't know why. Don't worry, they that. also wanted a liquor. And, <laughs> and uh, I think
3: that these are things that you do when you're just trying to make some noise. Nice. I mean, Hopefully. if you're really going to combat world uh, let's say, tariffs by throwing up you know, something against the Calvin Klein jeans, I don't think it's really the statement that maybe you're
0: trying to make. I would make. hope not. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I don't think so. Well, anyway, you have to hope that the market goes down to be able to get in PVH because this was the best quarter I've ever seen. Manny's probably been on the show more than anybody else. Manny Trico, Chairman CEO of PVH.
0: Thank you. Manny. It's like good to see you again.
3: Listen to me. When you've lost Playboy, you've lost America. Today we found out that Playboy, the thinking man's dirty magazine, has had enough of Facebook and is leaving the social media platform. Yeah, of all the businesses that could have objected to the way Facebook handles its user data, Playboy was one of the few that decided to take a principled stand. Of course, it's not just about privacy. Playboy also objects to Facebook's policy on nudity, which it describes as sexually repressive as if there weren't already enough ways to find pornography on the internet. Now, Playboy claims to have 25 million fans who engage with their brand via various Facebook pages. I'm sure they all read Playboy, by the way, for the articles. And whatever this company may stand for, that is a lot of lost page views. Playboy joins the high-minded Elon Musk, see that stock, and sure, of all people, in abandoning Facebook, strength in numbers. Who's next? Penthouse? Hustler? Here's the issue. These departures may not seem very large, but look, I got to admit that if they continue, they're going to hurt Facebook's numbers, make it extraordinarily difficult to value the stock, which has been on the ropes ever since we learned about the Cambridge Analytica data breach some 21 percent ago. Yeah, 21 percent. Normally, we'd say the company's going to earn so much money per share and investors will pay so much for those earnings, giving you a ballpark valuation. Here, though, both the estimates and the price earnings multiple, what we're going to pay for those estimates, are in flux. And that's why I've been trying to come up with all sorts of scenarios, figure out where the stock might bottom if it doesn't hold here at 153, where it closed actually up 81 cents. And the best way to do this is by looking at similar situations where companies damage their reputation with the consumer. For example, there was plenty of outrage with uh, when United Airlines dragged a passenger off one of its flights. The whole thing was caught on video. Tons of people said they'd never fly in. United again, and the stock fell 6.7%. Facebook blew past that level ages ago. Remember I told you how hard it is to try to not fly a certain airline? When we heard about the egregious cross-selling chicanery at Wells Fargo... Something had sent shockwaves through the bank's retail client base. The stock got hit with a 14% decline. I mean, that was a pretty horrendous breach, and this was a criminal activity, maybe. The longtime CEO of Wells Fargo was forced to leave, and the board of directors was shaken up. The cross-selling scandal was a big deal, yet Wells Fargo's stock declined only 14%, pales in comparison to Facebook's 21% decline since the data breach. I don't know if that makes sense. You can go to other banks. Hmm. So maybe it's more like Target, which had a gigantic credit breach where hackers gained access to data on 40 million people and the company sat on the whole news for three straight weeks. Uh, well, that really hurt them. Target stock fell nearly 19%, and it took a year for it to recover. I think the pain made perfect sense. The house of pain. As it's very easy to take your business to a different retailer that's going to be more responsible about handling your credit card information. Certainly easier to leave Target than it is to leave Facebook. It's a really bad sign that Facebook's taking out a target-sized decline because it's not like you can just take your business to a different social network. There's Facebook and then there's, uh, who's that other, Instagram. Oh, that belongs to Facebook. This company is basically the only game in town. No one else comes close in terms of reach, not even Twitter, which we learned is vulnerable. Why? Because it's vulnerable. That's why. Don't ask for any more than that. Now, here's the real worry worry button. If Facebook stock does keep falling, you have to wonder, of course, where it's going to end. Could the stock lose half of its value, which is what happened after Chipotle had two nasty health scares? Eh, I don't know. Perhaps it only lose about a third of its value, like Equifax did after its own horrific data breach. I'm betting those are too extreme. These incidents were qualitatively much worse than Facebook's, and you could actually describe what they were as opposed to Cambridge Analytica, which no one seems to, even the people angry, not know what they really did. Chipotle made dozens of people sick worse than Facebook, terrified its customer base, devastated the company's earnings. Equifax breach affected nearly 150 million Americans. This wasn't just credit card numbers, In some cases it were social security numbers. Of course, Equifax ended up being a terrific buy at its lows as the stock has come roaring back, even as everyone told me they were finished. You know what? I bet Facebook's going to be a little more like Equifax than Chipotle. Equifax has an unassailable market share position. The credit card companies are three-way out. gopley, right? I mean, the ratings companies? Yeah, come on. I think Facebook has similar advantages. Actually, it's a one- we can't call it an oligopoly if it's only one. That's called a monopoly. Worst case, I could imagine Facebook's stock falling 25% from its highs, which would put the stock at around, let's say, low 140s. At those levels, it will be insanely cheap, as I doubt the company's growth rate will sink below 25%. It's 40% as of most recent quarter. But yeah, it's possible Facebook could have a lot more downside from here because before the stock starts to rebound. That may sound extreme, but this is what happens when you infuriate consumers and their representatives in Congress. When Facebook begins to bounce, though, it will bounce bounce hard, but it may end up bouncing from a little lower level if the company doesn't hire an outside investigator, as I've been saying, to get to the bottom of things and roll back the tide that is threatening what many are saying, and I am not saying, looks more like a sandcastle every day. Ryan in Illinois, Ryan. Professor Kramer, booyah. Booyah. It's a first-time caller from Chicago, Illinois, U.S. of America. How are you today, sir? I am. You know what? This has been such an easy, relaxing day. I don't know what to say. Go ahead. What's I, up? I'm here with you. Hey, at first, I wanted to quickly say thank you so much for your insight and guidance you provide to us every night. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you. So the stock I'm calling about is Adobe. They had a record first quarter, and they gave strong guidance for 2018, including a non-gap earnings growth of about 44% year over year. The week before earnings, they were trading between 216 and 221. After earnings, they shot as high as 230, but with the recent tech pullbacks, they're trading at what they were almost a month ago, which is 213. Right. Now they have a new announcement with uh, NVIDIA and their new partnership. What is your long-term outlook? And do I buy a oh, I like Adobe well. long-term. I mean, obviously, it's a cloud king. I like the cloud kings. What happens right now if you're a cloud king or you're a member of FANG, or NASDAQ, or you're a semiconductor? I'll tell you what happens. And why? Let's see. Well, because the stocks are up. Because uh, they're tech. Um, uh, they're up. Uh, they're tech. Stick with me. They're up. Attack. All right, sure, Facebook could have more downside before it rebounds, but I expect it to rebound just like the stocks of other companies that broke consumers' trust. Don't write it off. That would be silly. Much more man. money head. I'm sitting down with the CEO of the biggest healthcare company in the country, United Health. I'm a customer. From drug cost to Amazon. Ooh, Amazon. Holy cow. You can't miss this. Then, is it time to set sail on Norwegian Cruise Lines? I'm sitting down with the CEO to see if it can be your portfolio's port All and all your calls, rapid fire, in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stick with Kramer. In this increasingly difficult market, I think it's worth falling back on extremely well run companies with stocks that have pulled back dramatically from their highs, even though the underlying business is totally domestic. And it's getting better and better. Companies like United Health Group, the best of breed health maintenance organization and insurance provider that withdrew from the Obamacare exchanges ages ago. It is a smart company. There's a stock that's down 13% from its January highs. And I think that could be a real opportunity. A decline of this magnitude for this high-quality company is a rare thing indeed. Bye, 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 bye. Earlier today, we got a chance to sit down with David Whitman. He's the CEO of United Health Group. First on uh, bad money, of course. This was CNBC's Healthy Returns Conference. Take a look, David. I am a member of United Healthcare. What am I getting that the other guys won't give me?
2: A lot of things. All right, uh, tell me. Uh, I think you get uh, 285,000 people that are focused on uh, helping people live healthier lives and helping make the health system work better every day. Uh, they are uh, very passionate about uh, driving, uh, you know, restless servants, if you will, of change in healthcare broadly, and they hope to bring you a better healthcare experience every day.
3: But what do I have to do to be a good patient? Because I know that you, one of your mantras is, how do you get people to, to take better care of themselves, to live healthier lives? There's nothing in this that says I got to do a good job myself.
2: Yeah, well, that's why we try to engage you as a consumer and, and uh, engagement is a big part of what makes healthcare work well. Both engagement of the health system, but also engagement of you in managing your health conditions as well as keeping yourself well.
3: You talk about the one of the two holy grails as being the doctors, the network that you own. Uh, talk about engagement, you're able to get data from them, you're able to find out what outcomes are. I yeah. imagine it's the best way uh, to figure out what should go right in the healthcare
2: system. That's right. Well, it's not just about getting the data from them, it's okay. about making the best use of the data that you have and converting it to information, applying it against the best known science, identifying gaps in care places where you can, uh, you know, treat you know, change the way in which you access the health system and, and make yourself better.
3: Okay, this last mile access. Uh, you've got a business, which I am fascinated by, uh, hopefully don't have to use, a MedExpress. And right. in it you say, uh, versus the emergency room. You're on record saying that MedExpress can do 90% of what emergency room does at one-tenth the cost. Why are you not in charge of our health care system?
2: Well, MedExpress is a, just one of the many uh, assets that we bring and, you know, as, as you realize pretty quickly, the healthcare system is made up of a number of relationships and that's one of the strengths of our organization is managing millions of relationships with physicians as well as bringing our own innovations to the market. MedExpress is a is a strong company, they get great uh, consumer response as well, MPS over 70 right. and uh, you know, just a, a, a well-performing company.
3: How is that test going with Paul Green's? Because they reported this morning and, you know, they have a lot of good things to say about actual healthcare. Yeah.
2: Well, we have a pilot underway in 15 right. markets, Good. or 15 uh, stores, I should say, across several markets, and, you know, it's early stage right now. We're just coming up on the first year of the first uh, implementations you of that. Mm-hmm. We look at it? We look at it every month, look at it, and evaluate it, and discuss it with Stefano and others, and, you know, we do our best to, to uh, evaluate, you know, whether or not it will fit nicely into a forward-looking health system.
3: Okay, one of the things, I speak to a lot of health insurance executives, I speak to a lot of drugstore people and drug company people. I am surprised uniformly that they are not afraid of the death star, that's Jeff Bezos, and what he can do to health care. Why is United Health not afraid? Because I presume you're not. And why do I bet that in the end maybe they either turn to you, take your people perhaps as CEO, or realize that you can do a better job than they can?
2: Well, we're operating our business in an expansive market that'll, you know, continue to expand over time, and we have a very strong uh, track record of growth and uh, expectations around growing in five critical areas around healthcare delivery, pharmacy care services, advancing uh, consumer-centric benefits, uh, really advancing also a digital and health information uh, aspects of our business as well as going global. And as I said before, there's. Millions of relationships you need to manage, and uh, obviously that would be just one that we would we would need to. If if our
3: basis, I like big data. That's how I predict what you want. The artificial intelligence. Optum's got the biggest data bank in the world. Why didn't they just say, you know what, we can't reinvent this?
2: Yeah. So data around 200 million people in the administrative side and then another 100 million or so uh, in terms of medical records. Uh, that is used by us for for AI machine learning you mm-hmm. know advancing you know advanced technologies broadly in healthcare and, and making a difference on you know the predictive values of understanding uh, you know who uh, may get sick and, and under what circumstances we need to uh, to, to help them with their care.
3: Well, speaking of of that uh, kind of analysis, I had uh, Cigna CEO on the other day, David Cordani, and uh, they're good, you know, these guys work closely with you. Uh, uh, Do you expect changes when they uh, finish their merger with Express Scripts?
2: Uh, Changes for your company? Oh, I think our company will continue to pursue the same growth opportunities overall. Cigna is is a very fine company and a good partner Of ours in certain aspects of our business, and we look forward to continuing to work with them. There's
3: no reason to think that you can't, right? It's not either
2: or. No, it's not either or at all.
3: Now, do you envision a day where healthcare won't be such a huge part of the GDP it won't be growing faster than the GDP? Uh,
2: I can envision a day where that could happen. Yes, for sure. I think if you look forward to the future, you know, call it seven, eight, nine, ten years out. Uh, I think you're going to see the, uh, the real strong implications of technology on helping to curtail healthcare costs. I think the, the systems of the benefits and the, the health systems broadly going to more value based uh, mechanisms will, will drive greater efficiency and effectiveness in healthcare. Now we are up against a, a series of macro demographic trends with an aging population, right. we have 86% of the healthcare costs are driven by, um, by chronic disease and right. that's not going to shift anytime soon.
3: Well, uh, do you think that you can manage uh, drug prices? And I say that because this coupon initiative is one that I meet. I'm a customer, right? I want to know more about it because the one thing I know is that there are drugs that I really want and the prices are too high, but I see in Canada and other places they got coupons. How do I, are you in favor of or are you going to help me do, actually get them?
2: Well, drug prices are too high, and we work every day to bring uh, greater affordability for drugs uh, for consumers, like we did, uh, announced a few weeks back, where we're bringing greater discounts at the point of service uh, for consumers. That's a big
3: deal. A how, how come deal. it was, it, you know, well, Jeff, Be- Jeff Bezos is in the news every day about something that, that nothing's been done. Right. This was something that I, I was at Kohl's yesterday, and they talk about Kohl's cash. This is United Health cash. Yeah. Why aren't we talking about it more?
2: Well, I think that it just, it, it may, you know, over time, I think it'll continue to get greater levels of attention. We saw yesterday that Aetna uh, also adopted right. a similar policy, and hopefully the rest of the industry finds its way to that same uh, position.
3: But You talk about the need to have people think healthier, take better care of themselves. I'm a person who works really hard. Uh, are there people who are health risk because they take their job too seriously?
2: Uh, I don't. I don't think so. I think that uh, it's, it's a good stress reliever work. No
3: and do me. you encourage places uh, if they can? I was up at Salesforce.com's head, right, uh, right. New York headquarters. They've got mindfulness rooms. They have yoga rooms. Yes. If you wanted to lower ultimately your cost of health care, would you tell people you know what? Get, be mindful. Get those employees in one of those rooms. Is that a sensible thing to do?
2: It, it is actually. You know, we have a, we've adopted our developed a mindfulness business as well. It's in a, it's more in a venture format as we sit here today. But venture form
3: but, meaning that you meaning might spin it out or yeah,
2: no that that we are um, it's an early stage and okay. it's in its development and and uh, we're we're incubating and modifying the model. But but you know, stress relief is a an important factor in managing your health as well. And so many of those efforts make make a lot of sense.
3: Okay. We, to the point where there are a lot of people who make fun, like when I say that I'm trying to be mindful, people, are you kidding me? Mindfulness, that's something that's in San Francisco. Are there people who are starting to take care of their mind, not just their body, because their mind can produce better results for their body?
2: That's right. And in fact, mo- most of, a lot of our engagement tools that we've just rolled out to seniors really uh, focus on engaging their mind. And because, uh, you know, uh, loss of memory is, is something that we're, we're trying to manage. But it's important also, we, we apply mindfulness with uh, many of the cohorts of our employee base as well, uh, particularly, uh, uh, you know, those that may uh, engage in, in more stress than others, like our nurses and others that are working every day to, to bring better health care to people.
3: Okay, last thing I need to know.
2: Okay. If I were president
3: of the United States, which I am most certainly not, is certainly, well, whatever, um, I would call you in, and I would say, okay, here's the keys to the car. You have done a remarkable job. It's all yours. If it was all yours, what's the first thing you would do?
2: Well, I think the first thing i do is uh, there's about a trillion dollars of, of cost that's in the fee-for-service system today. It's largely unmanaged. Uh, there is no question we could do a better job with that in terms of just applying practical uh, Private company practices uh, to that population, and I think we'd save save a lot a lot there. But I'd also have everybody get kind of get focused on a similar mission, and drive a culture uh, to to improve healthcare costs uh, by lowering them, uh, drive greater levels of of uh, effectiveness overall, and and making sure that we are uh, driving a great deal of. Consumer but we don't want to put
3: United Health out of
2: business. Uh, no, we wouldn't want to put United <laughs> Health out of business. I think though that we can and we can work together to make make a difference.
3: Terrific. Okay, that's David Wickman. He is the CEO of United Health Group International, a stock that I've been recommending, believe it or not, since the 80s. And it's been a winner. Thank you so much, David. Thank you. Good to talk to you. You too. It is time. It's time the light! And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, that Daddy, time for the lightning round question we're going to start with Bo and Satan. Bo
2: Jim, love your show, and so does my three-year-old son. Thank
3: you. There you go. My, my question is for a long Sorry.
2: Couldn't resist. Go ahead. Love it. For a long term holding, should I maintain my position in Henry Shine or should I swap over to you, Align Technology?
3: You can hold it long term. I think Align Technology is more growth, it's better, and so is Zoetis. Let's go to Victor in South Carolina. Victor to South Carolina's Victor. Cool, y'all, Jim. Good show, buddy. Thank you, partner. I've got a good bit of IBB now, and while I'm waiting for it to turn around, I was wondering if you would maybe suggest Deere and Company. I think Deer's fine. I mean, obviously, in the crosshairs of a lot of tariff, uh, uh, fear-mongering, but Deer's a good company for the long term because it feeds the world. I need to go to Nicole in Florida. Nicole. A big Southwest Florida bu- 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 boo ya. Hey, well, you know hey. what? I, 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 <laughs> Clearwater <laughs> boo blue- yeah. Philly's boo blue- yeah. What's That's up? That's right. <laughs> hey, take it, uh, thinking about taking a position with Fitbit. Well, keep thinking, but don't pull the trigger. There's no real reason. There's so many other better plays than Fitbit. I don't want you to do it. Let's go to Ross in Michigan. Ross. Hey, Booyah, Kramer. I'm booyah. a longtime fan. Love your show. Thank you. Hey, I like smaller, high tech stocks, especially newer issues. I found a small
2: semiconductor equipment company with a niche market in Brazil. Uh, the company is Smart Global Holdings. They went public last May. They reported last week a nice earnings beat, like the third in a row, and they were up the last three days
3: until today. Should I buy more? All I think is that what's happened is that the sellers have found that one too. And after we spoke with Gary Dickerson last week, and that stock is now down at two. That stock is now down eight points. I far prefer Applied Materials. J, uh, let's go to J- Jill, Jig in New Jersey. Jig.
1: Booyah, Kramer. I oh, yeah. go Eagles. Go Burt. Uh, yeah, since, yeah, get getting hammered lately, and also the ongoing Facebook debacle, I wanted to know if
2: I should buy, hold, or sell Splunk. SPL, you okay. know what,
3: Splunk, I was going to actually tell the gang, Jeff and Zeb, for the club, action, the Plus.com club, that we ought to put this one on the bullpen list. So it's good. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the. Lightning Round!
0: The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
3: In this newly volatile environment, I think <laughs> emphasis on volatile, we need to reassess many of the groups we used to like. Some of them can keep working, but others have become dangerous. So what about the cruise line stocks? I've been a big fan of this group as the ultimate player in the experiential economy, but the cruise stocks have been, uh, well, let's say they've been humbled so far this year, thanks to a combination of mixed earnings, fears that competition may be heating up, and then just the overall fickle nature of the market, frankly. Consider Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings, NCLH. It's both the smallest of the public, of the big three publicly traded cruise names, and the one with the most exposure to American consumers, which remains a very strong business. Nevertheless, the stock is down nine bucks from its January highs. Even was the company reported a solid quarter a month to go and it has tremendous momentum so let's dig deeper with frank del rio he's the president CEO of norwegian cruise line holdings to get a better sense of where his business is headed Mr. del rio welcome back to Man money good to see you sir Have have good day. See how are you all right so uh, i'm doing this this healthcare care thing and i'm like you know going a mile a minute i'm saying I, I need a break i need a break i text my daughter and i said do you know anyone who has taken a norwegian cruise line holdings you know what she says Dad, that was the best trip I've ever had here. And she sends me pictures of her bowling, basketball courts, and, of course, her Instagram. They still use that, by the way. Again, how did you attract someone like my 23-year-old daughter to be on a Norwegian cruise line trip?
1: She's not alone. 25% of our customers these days on Norwegian cruise line are millennials. 25? 25%. Fastest-growing in absolute terms, fastest-growing in relative terms. Why? We've got everything millennials want. Experiential, you buy stuff. They don't want to buy stuff. They want experience. They want the pictures. That's right. The atrium that we're showing in the back, she has pictures of her at the atrium. I'm not kidding. They want variety. Right. On board a cruise ship these days with these wonderful uh, amenities that we have on board, you can hang out by the spa, you can go to the casino, the pool, racetrack. Wait till you get on board on my new Norwegian Bliss and the Hudson in about a month or so. Oh, yes, about that, because yeah. there's more yeah, bars there's- and lounges than yeah. there are on any, yeah. any
3: five streets That's in Manhattan. Right.
1: And then the last thing that millennials want these days is value. Right. And the cruise industry offers the greatest value there is on the face of this earth for a vacation. Okay, so, so there's top
3: tier suites versus, say, a luxury hotel room in New York. Better value? Tell me. Oh, no question. You can get our best suite in the
1: house. Two bedrooms of 1,200, 1,500 square feet, butler service around the clock, for half of what I just paid at the peninsula um, for two nights. I like uh, the No penis. question. I like the peninsula. I like the the peninsula the too, the quarter, but I, but you know,
3: I, I don't get the experience. I don't, even, I don't even get a free mini bar. You get a free mini bar in Norwegian. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Okay, you now apparently, also, the Chinese like them. From your conference call, yeah. you're talking about recently launched marketing, promotional, and yield management strategies, although novel in China, proven successful in our, our markets. So you're actually doing quite well financially. A lot of companies are saying, you know what, you got to lose a lot of money in China before you can make money. I think that was at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Quite frankly,
1: I think everybody's making money in China today. Um, It's still a work in process. We can make more money in the future in China. It's a long-term investment. We're we're bullish on China. I feel much better about China today, Jim, than I did six months ago. Tell me. Yeah, things are getting better. Uh, Some of the competitors have pulled out. There's less capacity. Uh, The shock of the South Korean travel restrictions have waned off. Travel agents in China are learning how the game is played, how the business evolves, uh, a little momentum, a little wind behind their backs. The Chinese economy continues to do well. So it's, it's positive in China. The Still Chinese not,
3: government likes
1: cruise They mines, do, don't they? they. Do. Why? Yeah. Well, I think it's part of their, um, their um, uh, push to get consu- uh, the Chinese uh, uh, populace to be more of a consumer. They want family-oriented
3: vacations uh, and that's what uh, the cruise business is all about. And I think the mad money business is all about making money. Since 2013, the year of your IPO, earnings per share grow more than sixfold, yeah. which just a return on investment capital reached double digits. I mean, this, this is this the strongest period that you've had? I mean, because I know since, not since you came, uh, you know, you've been you've been around for a long time, but since you come public, it looks like to me that the advanced bookings and numbers would say yeah. that it is the strongest period.
1: It is strong. I think the best days are still ahead of us. We are booked in the best position we've ever been. Mm -hmm. So all those years where we six-fold increase, 18 looks even better than that. We're better booked at higher prices. And even taking a sneak preview at 2019, at this early point, 2019 is looking strong. Well, it's probably my daughter
3: ordering. (laughs)
1: What are you going to get on? No,
3: well, I don't know. I'm no, multi- too old. Multi-generational cruising <laughs> these days. You're not too old. Oh, come on. Really? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Maybe she'll go with me. On. She's so embarrassed by me. The voice, Dad. Keep the voice. But down. I've got two other brands for you. All Japan right. And region, if you want older. All right. Fair enough. Frank Del Rio, the presidency of the Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings. I look, I like the stock. How about earning a stock for more than 37 minutes? It might be a good one. Stick with Kramer. Okay, so Congress hates Facebook and Alphabet. Uh, The president seems to dislike Amazon. Do you think the Supreme Court hates Netflix? I mean, honestly. Like I said, there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and
2: I will see you tomorrow. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture-proof-of-delivery,